go in them to Genesis 39 this time. Genesis chapter 39. And as we go there, we'll pick up where we were this morning. And there might be someone here that wasn't here this morning, but I'll quickly go over this with you again. First of all, we're talking about stewardship. The idea of being a good steward. Steward is someone who manages the affairs of another. We'll see that in a minute in different places in the Bible. And because of stewardship, we had to recognize that that everything belongs to God. God owns everything. The Bible says in Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord, the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. Haggai 2, verse 8 says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. It says in Psalms that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Exodus 19, verse 5 says, For all the earth is mine. God has all the money he needs. It isn't money that he needs. But he does need us and want us to be good stewards. He wants us to be faithful. In Sunday school this morning, as John was talking about Abraham and Sarah, we were talking about Abraham offering his son Isaac as an offering, as a sacrifice. And God was testing Abraham to see if what God had given Abraham, a son, was more important than God. He was a test. And by the way, a lot of parents need to understand that the children are gift from God for a purpose. They are, they are management. In other words, you are to manage them wisely. Otherwise, if you spoil them, you've ruined and you've wasted what God gave you. And so understand that the children and everything, everything belongs to God. Everything I own belongs to God. He can do with whatever he wants with it. So, uh, first of all, in stewardship, everything belongs to God. And then stewardship is the management of someone else's affairs. Look at chapter 39, Genesis 39, verse 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him into the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And then it says, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the home of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. And he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from time the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And listen to verse 6. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Potiphar trusted Joseph so much that the truth was he didn't even know any more what he had. He just knew that Joseph was honest enough and he'd take care of it. I hope that it would be said of us that, that we were that kind of a faithful, trustworthy steward. That that you just that you're so trustworthy and so Potiphar just sat down to eat. He just knew that there'd be meal there. He knew that Joseph would to make sure that the groceries were taken care of, knew, make sure the bills got taken care of, make sure investments were taken care of, make sure that things were rolling and just going along smoothly. That's what Potiphar trusted Joseph with. And it wasn't until Mrs. Potiphar messed everything up. Otherwise, they might have just lived happily ever after in this arrangement. But Joseph was a perfect example of the right kind of steward because a steward is someone who manages the affairs of another. And a good steward does it well. 
very well. Now look with me in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 14. Matthew 25 verse 14 says, For the kingdom of heaven is a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one. And to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. The third thing I want to say is, if you're a Christian, you're God's steward. And it says his own servants. Every Christian is a steward, and we are given the responsibility to manage what God's given us. And, to, and he gave one five and one two. He recognized that this one could handle more, this one maybe not so much, but and so it was just the different amounts was not that important, but the fact that they were stewards of what their Lord had given them. And then lastly, as we quoted this morning in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, it is required of stewards that they be faithful. And Joseph was a great example of faithfulness. This man with five who gained five more, uh, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, that it is required of stewards that we be found faithful. And so there are four T's that I was talking about, and I started talking about them this morning. Time, talents, testimony, and treasure. And this morning we talked a lot about treasure and how that our tithes and offerings come from the treasure that God has allowed us to have. And even if you've worked very hard and some in, in our church have worked hard and maybe you have something to show for it and maybe you have achieved much and you have done much and studied much or whatever it might be and you have much, even if that is the case, God is still the one that gave you the ability to earn it and gave you the opportunity and, and the blessing to earn it and to, and to obtain it. And so the Bible teaches us that the idea of tithing of 10%, and then on top of that, offering over and above even our tithes. And I was running short of time, but the idea that, that God says, he, he that soweth sparingly will reach, reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And let's not forget, and I was running out of time this morning, but let's not forget, that doesn't necessarily mean in this life. There are awards to be given in heaven. There are things that will be given in heaven that we might not see here on earth, and we might not see the results of our sowing in the here and now. But with tithes, we recognize the obligation that we have by God's word, not by any other man-made force, but just by the word of God that we should recognize the first fruits of all our increase. And then on top of that, our offering. The tithe typically would take care of the, of the running and the, the process of the local storehouse, the church itself. Offering would be over and above that, as I said this morning. I'm so thankful that we have both tithers and givers in our church. What a blessing that people uh, recognize their treasure is something they need to honor God with. Praise God for that. We're talking about this hope addictions ministry. And let me just give you an example. Hope curriculum, the hope materials, the things that we would purchase and that we would buy and the things that we would then give away and, and we would have available for people to use. All those things would be paid for out of the general fund, out of the general offerings, the tithing that we would do. But to show up every Friday night and to help someone in that ministry would be an offering. That would be extra. See, offering is above and beyond even the obligation. There are people 
in our church that when it snows, they come and plow the snow. They never turn in a bill for doing it. That's an offering. There are people who built a garage this summer. There are people who get gravel and spread it around the the property and fix it all up and make it look nice, and a lot of times they won't turn in a bill for it. Of course, there are people who clean the building. There's just a lot of ways and we can we can give to God. And so one of those ways is what I want to talk about first, and that's the first T, time. Time. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, if you were saved later in life, then you can visualize this even more than maybe some others. But how many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many of us, did all kinds of bad things or just stupid things with our time. Yes. And now we have an opportunity to redeem the time because the days are evil and to and to take back some of that wasted time that really will not matter. In other words, what we did with the time will not mean anything in eternity. And oh, by the way, here's something you got to understand about time. There's another verse, Psalm 90, verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. The Bible tells us to number our days. I don't know how many days I have. I don't know how many days you have. I think I can guess how many days our sister Cassandra has. She's about out of time. That's not a bad thing. She's going to heaven. But she's about out of time. And I want you to understand that one day you are going to be out of time. So what are you doing with your time now? One thing I love about the youth quiz thing is it's a good use of time. Beyond the trophy and the hoorah-rah, they will forever have some of those verses memorized in their brain. I hope Harmony always remembers Acts 3.19. I hope some of these verses that they memorized for a game will stick with them forever. And the thing of it is, it's not a waste of time. The Bible says your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There's a lot of labor that's in vain. There's a lot of time that's wasted for things that don't matter. In Ephesians 5.16, redeem the time. The days are evil. Psalm 90.12, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. James 4.14 tells us our life is like a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Heaven is a wonderful place. We've sung about the unclouded day and about the time coming and where there'll be no time. But the thing is, there is one thing about heaven and that is there'll be no more opportunity to work or to live or to invest for eternity because you will be in eternity. You will be out of a precious thing called time. Romans chapter 13, let's look there. Romans chapter 13. You know, I'm getting closer to being 50 years old. I'm just about out of time. And as I get older, I realize time is going. I am losing time. Romans 13 and verse 11, and that knowing that time, that now it is high time, to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. In other words, 
Wake up, Christian, and recognize that it's, it's getting close. The time is drawing near. Verse 12, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. We need to sober up and realize that time is fleeting. And no matter what the election results are this coming week, time is fleeting. An opportunity is slipping by. We need to recognize that and the importance of it. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4, I mentioned this last week, but in 2 Timothy 2 verse 4 it says, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. We all have affairs in this life. We all have things we need to do. <clears throat> I, uh, I have an appointment with a doctor, not because I have anything wrong, but I just need to have this appointment in order to take care of this business, do this, whatever. I have an appointment with the with the uh, tire shop. Why? Because I need to get my tires rotated. And when I bought them, I got a free rotation that comes along with it. Yeah, it takes time to do that. Especially my tire shop. It takes a lot of time. Anyway, no wonder it's free. It takes forever. But time is something we have to spend. We have to spend time. There's stuff we got to do. And yet, we need to recognize that sometimes we tie on things that are a waste of time. I'm not saying that there's never a relaxation time or a time of, of just uh, resting or just a little amusement or something like that. But the thing is, is that we get ourselves entangled with the affairs of this life and we can't be a good soldier when we do that. A good soldier for who? For the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate the interest in the Hope Addictions program. I hope that the interest doesn't wane. But if you are seriously interested in that, you won't be able to entangle yourself with something else on Friday night. You'll just have to be focused on it. I'm not saying never, but I mean, you, you, you understand that it'll just have to be something you're committed to if you want to be able to help people, and that's just the way it is. I, as a pastor, have to watch out. I think I mentioned it last week. I have to watch out and be careful that I don't use my time unwisely. This past week, I had the opportunity to go deer hunting, but I felt lousy. I just felt lousy. And I thought to myself, I'm going to go, I'm going to drive a couple hours into Wyoming, I'm going to sit on a hill in the wind, I'm going to shoot some deer, I'm going to justify it to my wife by saying, I'm bringing home meat for the freezer. But by the time I get home, I'm going to be a wreck. And I won't be able to operate Anchor Club very well, and I won't be able to preach and teach very well, and I won't be able to function very well, and I can't use my time to go sit there and shoot a deer, and I can't justify it. It's not a good use of my time. It's not a sin to shoot a deer. It's not a sin to go hunting. But I knew that it wouldn't be a good use of my time. That's all I'm trying to say. And there's a lot of things where we allowed our, ourselves to get entangled in the affairs of this life. And because we're entangled in the affairs of this life, God can never call us and use us as he'd like to. Speaking of sober-mindedness and thinking about what time it is, look at Hebrews chapter 10. Do you know what time it is? It's getting dark. Someone said tonight before church, boy, it's dark out there. It is getting dark in more ways than one. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the matter of some is, but so much the more, exhort, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Do you know what time it is? 
we should recognize that this is this is serious stuff this this stuff in our world right now i don't know about other churches but some churches i do know and are aware of that they they're hurting financially they're they're hurting numbers wise they have a nice property but there's hardly anybody in it listen we ought to get real real scared if all of us are just a bunch of old grandparents. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm glad your grandparents are here. But it ought to make us real nervous if the youngest person in our church is an adult. Because that's a bad sign. Oh, but it's nice because then you don't have to pick up all the goobers on the floor and you, and you don't have to deal with stall doors in the bathroom that someone locked and then crawled out from underneath of them and uh, the toilet paper that got used as a TP project for somebody and and uh, gum on the carpet and gum in the carpet in the van. and Well, you don't even have to have vans anymore. You can probably sell the vans. and Man, sounds comfortable. It's the death of the church. You say, yeah, but pastor, I don't want to leave it to these goobers. Look at them, they're goobers. Well, we used to be goobers. And that's why we take them on these trips that we take them on to teach them responsibility and, and we, we teach them to to have responsibility and, and even some of them are going to be teaching in junior church in the, in the next few months. And this weekend they were challenged about taking a missions trip and seeing parts of the world that they don't ever think about. Why? Because the day is coming close election or no election the day is coming close the time is drawing close and it's getting darker what if all of a sudden Mr. Spear was out of time I mean one of these days Mr. Spear is going to get old I don't think he'll ever grow up but I do think one of these days he's going to get old and what if one day he's out of time he's going to leave a hole Every one of us have an impact on other people. And we, we need to invest our time wisely. We need to use whatever God's given us for his glory. I, years ago, I heard someone say, you know, tithing the idea of 10% of your income, what about your time? What about tithing your time? If you, if you go to Sunday school, and not everybody does, but if you go to Sunday school, that's an hour maybe. And then you stay for the morning service, that's two hours. Then you maybe <clears throat> maybe you came early to help to practice and to be a part and I thank you for coming to song practice. That's a blessing. That that's almost an hour of your time. And then <clears throat> the evening preaching service, another hour or so, and if you help with Anchor Club, that's gonna take some time, and then the stay for midweek prayer time and, and uh the Bible study time and, and midweek service. And then if you show up when they have a scheduled visitation time, you show up to clean. But even all that, you're only getting to about 10 hours a week. We have about 168 hours a week. So what do we do with our time? Now, obviously, we've got to sleep a good portion of that time. And we have to work. But what are we doing with our time? One thing I'm glad for, it's not a real... It doesn't really balance it out. But one thing I am glad for is this thing every Sunday morning on my phone that says, here's how much time you spend on your phone this week. Sometimes I don't even want to look at it because I'm so embarrassed. 
but it's a good little reminder. You know, you spend a lot of time on this stupid thing. What do we spend your time? What do you spend your time on? What do I spend my time on? Our time. It's important that we invest our time wisely. And again, your time is an offering. You can't put your time necessarily into an offering plate. But what an opportunity. We talk about collating. That's a time. That's a thing you can give time to. See, you don't have to be rich to give time. But when you give time for God's glory, you can be a very good steward of what God's given you, and that's time. I try to <clears throat> remind our kids, don't waste time. Nothing wrong with goofing around, having fun once in a while. And I heard someone say it last night on the van as we were driving home. I don't play video games. I was like, hallelujah, whoever you are. Thanks for that. That's good. And read a book or talk to someone. Do something with your life. Don't. There are adults who play video games. Maybe someone in here plays video games. Listen, I just, I, I think it's a waste of time. There's other things that are a waste of time. You could probably find something in my life that's a waste of time. But we need to recognize that we need to be good stewards of the time that God's given. And here in this free country where you have an air-conditioned, heated, cooled, cooled, heated and cooling system in your vehicle going down the road at high speeds, safe on the road, you get to a church, you can be there for a Sunday night service, and and you don't even have to ride in horse and buggy to get there, and yet today we have less churches having Sunday night services than ever. And we have more conveniences to get us to there. It's a shame. Oh, I don't have time. You do have time. It's just what you do with your time. But not just the service. I was mentioning the uh, the biker booth that we do every year. That's why our sister Cassandra is on her way to heaven. Because someone put time in. Someone gave time. Praise God for stewards of time. If it wasn't stewards of time, you might not be saved yourself. But someone gave of their time. And then also stewardship of talents. Look with me in Matthew chapter 25 again. Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Again, verse 14. Kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country. That's Jesus, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway he took his journey. Now, Technically, these talents were actually money. But you can think of them as actual talents if you want to. That'd be okay. Because it applies as well. Verse 16, Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money, did nothing with it. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them, so that he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him the same thing. Didn't matter if it was five or two. His Lord said, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Don't waste your time worrying about why you didn't get five talents. Just do what you're supposed to do with the two talents you got. Maybe you're not very talented or not very gifted in some way. That doesn't matter. Just do. Don't do what the guy did with the one talent and do nothing. No, take what God's given you and use it for his glory. Did every servant receive a talent, at least one talent? Yes. Did they also receive the same? No. And it says, though, that God was dispensing based upon what he thought they could handle. Verse number 14, it says in verse 15, to every man according to his several ability. Don't look around and say, well, why don't I get to do that? Why can't I do that? Don't worry about that. Man, God's got something for you to do. Tell you what, earlier this year, I was really concerned about this thing right here because our daughter was getting married and I thought, what a shame that this is just going to sit here and collect dust. And I'm thankful that someone said, you know, I probably could practice and force myself to, to remember what I used to do. Praise the Lord. She hasn't actually turned on the volume yet, but at least she looks like she's playing. And, and her daughter's doing it too. She's practicing and taking lessons. Listen, if, if you have some musical ability, don't hide it. Use it for his glory. And what I love about the men's choir is you just, you just got to be a man. As long as you're a male, you're, a part, you're, you're allowed to come. You say, well, I don't know how to sing. Make a joyful noise. I mean, who really cares if it sounds professional? It's just us. God is interested in us making a joyful noise. In fact, I don't think God's as excited about the professionals as he is about those who just praise him. So let's sing to him. But notice in verse 19 it says, and after a long time, that's what's going on now, the Lord of these servants come, cometh and reckoneth with them. That idea of reckoning means to give an account. The Bible says in Romans fourteen twelve, so then every one of us will give an account of himself to God. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you right now, I, I really feel sorry for people already or will be in hell, not just the fact that they're in hell. But do you realize, do you realize that there are people in hell today and on their way to hell who have had in their hands more treasure than you and I have had? And at one time, had all the time. And had more talent than I've ever dreamed of having. Do, do you realize in hell they'll always have to remember how they wasted all that? I had time. That kid next door tried to tell me about Jesus and I laughed at him. <clears throat> I had time. And I had treasure and I wasted, I'd go to Las Vegas and I'd blow it and I'd go to Deadwood and blow it and I'd buy this and I'd buy that and I'd drink it down and I'd smoke it away and I wasted my time and I wasted my treasures on stupid, frivolous things. And talent. There's a lot of people got talent. They even have TV shows just to show off talent. But that's not what talent's for. Talent is for God. 
to honor God with. And when you waste it, what a shame that is. And they won't hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You might not be a five-talent person. You might just be a two-talent person. You might be a .5-talent person. But if you did something with it, praise God. And one day he will say to you, just like he'll say to the most talented one in heaven, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Please don't waste the talent God's given you. Some people say, I just can't do anything for the Lord in my church. I'm just not good enough. Oh, stop that. We already have Mr. Spear. We can handle you. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I can. Not I can't. You can. There is something for you. Frank, you're a blessing. We needed a van driver. Frank has, Frank not, not only just stepped in to drive the van, but what Frank also did is to readjust his work schedule so that he'd be off every Wednesday afternoon so that he could drive it on Wednesdays for Anchor Club. And he's been servicing the vans and taking care of them. I appreciate him stepping into that role. That's a blessing. All of us have abilities that God's given us that we can do. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12. First Corinthians 12, starting verse 12, for as the body is one and have many members and all the members of that body being many are one body, so also is Christ. We're like the body of Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether it be Jews, Gentiles, whether it be bond free and all made to, to drink into the one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. Stop it. Is it therefore not of the body? Of course it is. If the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Of course not. Every part is important. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were a hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they're all one member, where were the body? It wouldn't be a body. It would just be one great big ugly member. But now are there many members and yet but one body. Young people, a lot of times, your age group especially, well, you'll get this real down-in-the-dumps attitude, well, I can't do it, and -and so-and-so gets noticed because they're just way more talented and way more pretty and way more whatever than I am. Stop that. God has you exactly where he wants you, and God wants to use you as a member in his body for a reason, and you need to recognize how special you are and what God wants to do with you. And I was just saying to someone the other day, I don't know why God has allowed you to have a broken heart and why God has allowed you to have to suffer some things that are not your fault. But I do know this. There are other kids in your school that have the same problem and bigger and the same broken heart and bigger. And they need to find out from you how you can get over it and how you can get victory over it and overcome it. And you know what's cool about that? That's your spot. That's your spot. That's your your position. You play in the body. Pastor can't do that. Pastor can't relate to that. Some other people might not be able to relate to that, but you can. 
So in verse 21, if the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you, nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are actually necessary. We don't all do the same thing. We don't all have the same function, but we are all necessary. And so don't let the devil convince you into not using your talent and the gift and ability that God's given you for his glory. Don't do that. And so verse 26, whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. One member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you're the body of Christ and members in particular. Praise the Lord for the individual's and the individual servants and the parts they play in his body. Praise the Lord. Thinking about Ed right now. Ed hardly ever comes Sunday night. Don't see Ed very much, but we see him Sunday morning. It was Ed that walked in with Cassandra. It was Ed. I, I, don't, I don't even remember all the details. I just know that, because she said, I'm Catholic. I can't go to your church. It's Baptist. It was Ed that said, you come with me. And he brought this lady to church. And she got saved a few weeks later. I didn't get to be with Ed when he was visiting her in the hospital. But I wanted to. That would have been a precious picture. Forever in heaven, Ed has a trophy waiting. When he enters heaven, he'll see Cassandra. What a blessing. Stewardship of our time, stewardship of our talent. We already talked about stewardship of our treasure. Now we have stewardship of our testimony. By the way, I mentioned how that unbelievers will be in hell wishing they had spent their time wisely, wishing they would have spent their talents wisely, wishing they had spent their treasure. But you know what? Christians in heaven will be thinking that too if they didn't do what they could have. Christians in heaven will be in heaven, but will still possibly be thinking, oh, why didn't I use my treasure better? Why didn't I use my talents? I mean, if, a, if somebody can, can be used of God to bring someone to church, why couldn't I be used of God to bring someone to church? If someone could have, why didn't I? As we stand there on judgment day. And even though we'll be in heaven, I think that God will have to wipe all tears from our eyes when we realize we didn't do as much as we could have with what God gave, gave us. I mentioned it earlier, but our children, every parent is to be a steward of something God gave you. We're to be a steward of what he gave us that day they were born. The stewardship of our testimony. This is only something a Christian can have, a testimony. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 15. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Are you shining? Are you shining? Matthew 5 and verse 14. Of course, Jesus said, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light 
so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Is it possible to be a Christian and not have a good testimony? Yes. Is it possible to go to heaven with a bad testimony? Yes. The Bible indicates that Lot was is in heaven, but Lot's family was a terrible testimony. The Bible indicates some things concerning testimony. The Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.22 to abstain from all appearance of evil. We should recognize that our testimony is important and, and we should be aware that if we have a bad testimony that reflects bad on Christ. That's not a good example and we're not, our light's not shining like it, like it ought to be. I won't have you turn there, but you remember in 2 Samuel 11, David committed adultery with Bathsheba and then committed murder by killing, having his, her husband killed so, to hide it. In chapter 12, the preacher comes to David. In chapter 12, verse 14, the preacher says, what you've done is you've, you've caused an occasion for the enemies of our God to blaspheme us. The nations around Israel know that we're not supposed to behave like this. And they've heard the story. It's out. And you've got a bad testimony. And because of that, the baby's going to die. That's what the preacher told David. And all of us, all of us have a testimony and all of us can damage it. It takes years to build one and it takes a few minutes to destroy it. The stewardship of our testimony. What do you think it's going to do if I was to just go off into sin? What do you think it might do to some people in our community? have a bad taste in their mouth about Jesus Christ? Have a bad taste in their mouth about the things of God and church in general? I mean, everybody's testimony is very important, and we need to guide and guard our testimony. I used to read, and I didn't, I didn't like scream at my kids with this or beat them over the head with this, but I would remind them of the passage that says that a pastor has to rule his own house well. Because if he can't rule his own house well, how can he take care of the church of God? And our children's testimony is a big deal. Now, we didn't like hold it over them and, you know, beat them up with it. But they understood that, man, they have a response. The pastor's kids have a responsibility. And it's not just the pastor's kids. I look at these young people that go to the public school. They know who you are. Your coach watches you. Your former coach watches you. The other girls and guys at school, they know who you are, and they know whether or not you're for real or not. They know. And it could very well be that their attitude towards Jesus is directly affected by who you are, good or bad. The stewardship of our testimony. We talked about Joseph earlier. He had a great testimony. And here's what Potiphar knew. Potiphar knew that Joseph was willing to go to prison for the sake of his testimony. Daniel was given a challenge, and Daniel was willing to go to the lion's den, and his friends were willing to go to the fiery furnace for the sake of their testimony. They were good stewards of their testimony, and God took care of them. 
David ruined his testimony with his own children. David multiplied wives and then committed adultery with someone else's wife. David, David really hurt his testimony with his own family and his kingdom and the nations around him. On the contrary, 1 Peter 3.15 says, Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. I kick myself that I don't always give people a, a gospel track and don't always talk to people like I should. I, 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 I frustrate myself, and I get frustrated when I forget sometimes. But to be a testimony, and we were sitting at the restaurant the other day, and we were ordering our food, and I think the waitress was having some problems. And I wanted to make sure that all of us gave a tip. If we're going to leave a tract, we need to make sure we leave a good tip and be a testimony and be a blessing. Those are the four T's. Our time, our talent, our testimony, and our treasure. And you all, including me, we, we do something with those. And one day when time is no more, we'll stand before Jesus and we'll give an account for the time we spent, the talents we had, the testimony we either kept or destroyed, and the treasure we wasted or invested. We will all give an account for that. Be a faithful steward. Ask God to help you to be a faithful steward. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank